welcome back to my podcast, Our Roaring Twenties. On today's episode, I have a very good friend of mine, Jordan Apuliesi. I hope I pronounced that right. He is a newly turned 30-year-old and he is a senior content manager, but that wasn't his plan. So in this episode, we sit down and we talk about how he got there. Jordan. Hi, uh, Sarah. Ho- hello. This is the second time we're talking to each other in like a week. I mean, we text during the week, though. We do, but this is this is new. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's official. It's official. This is very official. You know, we're <laughs> having like real big conversations more than, you know, more often. And um mm-hmm because we've reached a new stage of our friendship I think well you think that but I remember when we first met and we'll get into that in a bit but you were one of the friends of my partner Sashin Mm -hmm. who I met and I was like oh my god like I love everybody of course but like we connected because we both talk so much (laughs) (laughs) just like don't shut up at all (laughs) Not one word. I don't know how long this is going to go today. <laughs> no, it'll be fine. I mean, it'll be fine. I think mm-hmm. because I don't know as much about your story. So yeah. this is going to be very revealing for me. And I'm excited about that because you just turned 30 last year. For people who don't know you, you've just turned 30. <laughs> We yes. know each other through a mutual, aka your partner, <laughs> my friend Sashin, who we know through Sarah Foster. Sarah Foster is the Kevin the connector of yes. my life. Yeah. Every, I would say about like 85% of the people in my life I know through her. Well, when I met him and we started dating and I was meeting everybody. You kind of do that thing where it's like, tell me about your friends. Tell me about your family. And he'd be like, there's all these people. And then there's like 45 Sarahs. And I was like, okay, loving it. (laughs) And then I was like, and this is like no shade, no tea. I thought everybody was like an organic part of like the group as a whole. But then I'm like, oh, Foster is the connector. But that's what was so beautiful where I was like, Oh, it's so cool that like this tree has so many branches, not to like get cheesy, but like (laughs) Foster is to you and our friend Sarah Lowe and a couple other people in this large, complicated group of ours. But like, yeah, that's how we met. Yeah, she's our she's our Kevin Bacon, because there is that theory, (laughs) you know, that Kevin Bacon theory, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, for those of you who Uh don't. There As you mentioned, a, I'm yeah, 30 yeah. years old. Yeah. For those of you who don't, there is a theory out there that Kevin Bacon is like connected to everyone in Hollywood by like, what is it? Like four? Six degrees. Six degrees. And is it Hollywood or the world? It's if he is in a movie or sorry, if some, oh, sorry, if you were watching a movie, you can connect several actors from that one movie to being in another movie with Kevin Bacon something something to that effect right yeah he yeah. just makes his rounds I mean he's like um 
I he's never said no to a script in a sense. <laughs> Here's the thing: when I think Kevin Bacon, you one would think you know maybe Footloose, but no, the part that comes to mind is the hairdresser in the beauty shop with Queen Latifah. Oh. <laughs> that is the part when someone says Kevin Bacon, that role is what pops in my head. You know, we just watched Beauty Shop a few weeks ago and holds up as a question mark of a word, but his <laughs> his performance also is a question mark, but it is, <laughs> it's something. It's something for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Sarah Foster to us. Going back to you, mm-hmm. as I said in my intro, you are a senior content manager manager correct correct at a marketing company yeah at an agency in canada agency and you deal with some pretty big names so what do you do for these big companies (laughs) i just uh make social playbooks and i kind of look at uh how we can build their instagram or their twitter make tone of voices um just make their social look alive and it's Mm -hmm. uh it's a not a heady task Uh, I don't know if that's the correct term but it's kind of like it's a lot but it's fun and I kind of fell into it I don't know how I got here exactly I mean I know I know the missteps of getting here but okay yeah we want that's what we want we want to know the missteps yeah so I mean we can um start at the beginning did you go to university or college how much time do you have? I have all the time in the world. You are my last appointment of the day. <laughs> yes, I went to university. I went to York University um, and I attempted to study in English and prof- professional writing. Okay. And it was a complicated affair and I was kicked out after my first year for bad grades. Oh, you were kicked out. Sure Why was. did I have in my mind that you dropped out? I don't know. You make judgments based on my appearance, but like you said, (laughs) college dropout you. York, you dropout. That's actually what I was going to title this, but now I have to think of a different name because you got kicked out. Um, That does put a wrench in things. Yeah, I, instead of choosing my own destiny, (laughs) the higher ups at York University said, "We, we will see you in a year from now. Yeah. So you want, yeah. it was like what academic probation kind of thing. And you're like, nah. Yeah, it was very that. And uh, it was kind of jarring. I think coming out of high school, which at best I was a B average that's being generous, probably like C plus average. <laughs> yeah. I went into university being like, well, I don't have to go to class really. And there's not right. attendance and I can catch up on this and it's writing. Yeah. I love to write. I love to read. I'm interested in pop culture and stuff like that. So it didn't go as planned (laughs) for that first year. Okay. So you get kicked out of York U. Mm -hmm. What's what's next? What do you do? Well, I was I was working at HMV at the time. And for those who may not know, that is like a Canadian and UK was sorry, may may it rest in peace a home video music retailer here, kind of like a FYE in the States. Um, 
And I was just like a sales associate and then became key holder. And I just worked for the full year and I just did retail and I was a sales associate. And then my manager, who was a good friend of mine, Julie, was like, you know what? Your attitude is probably better, better suited for the back room. And I was like, that's true. <laughs> we don't actually want you on the floor. You're turning away customers. You know, I think I present quite joyous, but there are moments where I do turn and it's not great for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's um a different experience overall, uh, not one for customer service, I would say. You have to be of a certain demeanor to talk to customers every day. We both know this. Mm -hmm. I think I will always say this retail is an incredible teacher in terms of like getting you all the skills you kind of need to deal with people in the real world. Yeah, no, retail is... I don't a, night a nightmare. It is a nightmare. It really is. I think just like customer service in general, you have to really be able to turn it on and keep it on. Like yeah. it can never be turned off. Even if somebody is not very nice, you kind of still have to have that like bright demeanor and be really nice to them, even though mm -hmm. like you really don't want to be nice to them at all. Um, but you kind of swallow that down. So yeah you couldn't do that. I mean, I thought I tried and I think I just got more bitter as I went on. Mm -hmm. And for someone who self-proclaims like, so is self-proclaimed to love so much of pop culture and TV and film and music. Right. I never wanted to talk to customers about <laughs> what they were buying. Right. Because you were always dealing with a general kind of shopper and everybody was buying either and if it was really, really niche and maybe something I loved, let's say it was like Jennifer's body at the time, which was not as appreciated as it is now. I was like, oh, I love this movie. I stand or like if it was Christmas time and somebody bought Wrapped in Red by Kelly Clarkson, I said, <laughs> this is 10 out of 10. No notes. <laughs> Great CD pick. Great CD pick. But I was never I was always just and I still am kind of to this day, very like if I'm working, I'm working and I just want to get it done. And I kind of like to work very fast and I just like to do it. Like I want to knock yeah. it out. I don't want to talk to a customer. So it wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then how did you, how did you get to become a social content manager? Like what is the story there? Um, it's, it's a very, fun cool story that I think can best be described as like um just putting in a lot of work across the board I used to write for a lot of websites and okay. uh I used to just do social for a lot of different places uh it's now defunct here in Canada but show me Canada which was a streaming service here I oh yeah. I miss it it was good it was good. And I was lucky enough to help out on that because a friend of mine, uh, Matt Rohrbeck, was able to get me a, a gig aside alongside him doing the social for them. And then mm -hmm. just kind of stumbled across uh, working at the agency that I work at now. And it's been amazing and incredible. But going back to university, I had a much different mindset of what I was going to do with my life. It was very different. What was it? If it wasn't I there. thought I had grand illusions of writing for an entertainment weekly esque magazine that exists in Canada, but does not. And 
I remember I had gone to New York for the first time when I was like 16 or 17. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to, I'm going to have my moment. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be Carrie Bradshaw. (laughs) I'm going to make seven cents a word and buy all my expensive clothes. And yeah, I just wanted to be an entertainment reporter kind of in that vein. It did not pan out exactly, but um, it didn't end up far from that needle. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you still you're still very much in, I guess, like the entertainment Mm -hmm. scene when it comes to social media. Is that something that you would do you think you would want to circle back to that? Are you do you think you want to get away from social content? I don't know. It's interesting because you you plan and God laughs, as they say, it's kind of like you think you know what you want to do and where you Mm -hmm. end up. And then for me, and we talked about this recently, uh, you turn 30 and then you kind of, from my experience, have a moment of very intense self-reflection where you're like, well, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And that's not just within work, that's within life and personal stuff and uh, identification and like just your kind of E pray love moment and you're like what is it that I'm supposed to do yeah. what in any sense of the word so to answer your question if possible sure I have not written a proper article or anything in a hundred years so these hands are a little rusty <laughs> <laughs> but you could do it I could I think conversely I have found that avenue through and I hate to say this but our podcast with my one of my best friends Josh Smith where we get to talk about movies and entertainment and pop culture and that for me has become that avenue I think but I don't know what this looks like it's hard I just this is why I never worked out at school because I'm not a planner I just am not a planner I'm like I will get there when I get there (laughs) yes me yeah but I do also love school at the same time I more love the learning aspect I love learning new things yeah um That's what's fun to me. And that's why, like, I'm okay with staying in school. Um, But the planning aspect, no, I don't know. See, I love learning new things too, which is why I listen to a lot of like, see, what I learn is very different because people like my best friend, Felicia, will always be like, Jordan can tell you everything about what happened on a red carpet in 1997, but can tell you like actual historical moments. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, like I have lapses in my, in my knowledge, but I've I educated myself, especially during my year off of school and during school with reading a lot and writing a lot and self teaching myself of the skills that I don't think I got in school just because my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not well. (laughs) You're not well. Well, I mean, speaking of 30s, you Mm. turned the dirty Mm. 30. Um, Dirty. 30 you turned the dirty 30 in um the pandemic yes and you said that turning 30 has given you the opportunity to do a lot of self-reflection yes what was that reflection like looking back at your 20s because the 20s are the concept here looking Mm -hmm. back now that you've done it all you've lived you've lived through it we still have a couple years in this household but now that you've lived through it, what, how did you navigate? Did you have any expectations that influenced your decision or did you kind of just wing it the whole time? I honestly, I winged it because um, I don't know how much time we have here, but like I 
I came out at 25. So I was on a delayed journey in many aspects. So Mm -hmm. my schooling was delayed because I got kicked out and I was in school much longer than I ever planned to be. I was in a personal hell because I just came out so much later in my life. And I think, and this is a general assumption, but it speaks more for myself. I think for queer people of my generation, probably, which not to age myself, I'm not that old, but like I wasn't able at 18 to have the experience that you had at 18 as a straight person, which is Mm -hmm. you have all that very personal stuff figured out for the most part we all go through our shit separately but at 18 19 20 21 22 23 24 I'm still going to straight clubs with my best friends and putting on a farce of like yeah that girl's so cute and like wearing buka jeans and boots and leaving the club and my friends being like oh someone came up to me was like is your friend Jordan gay and I said no to him you're not gay, right? I was like, oh my God, no. Me with my tie and my vest? No. No. With my flat iron gelled hair to the roof? No. No. So in turn, I was winging it the entire time because one, I was living a a lie and I was also so public for lack of a better word in terms of like working all the time. And I had a lot of friends and being very social from going out of high school where I wasn't very social. So it was literally probably not until I was 27, 28 when I made the group of friends that we have now and mm-hmm. really settled in. And I was like, ah, I'm 23 now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I am comfortable. I'm having fun. Not that everyone's 20s are that yeah. con- concise in that sense. But like you said, turning 30, I'll be 31 in September, which is fucking crazy. But like for, again, for queer people, I think you're, we're on a different schedule. I We talked about this recently. I opened my Instagram and I see everybody I went to school with having kids and mm-hmm. going to weddings, having their own weddings, planning baptisms because I went to Catholic high school and like all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm planning my next night out at a drag bar. Like I'm not <laughs> there. You know? I'm not there. <laughs> and that's fine. But yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, gosh, even for me, my first close friend just recently got married. Mm-hmm. She tied, she tied the knot. Shout out to Kim Leggett. And that to congrats, me, Kim. congrats. <laughs> that is, I have mixed feelings because mm-hmm. I have seen it like you on Instagram, um, Facebook, whatever. I don't really go on Facebook, but you know, I mean. people are starting my age are starting to yeah. get married. They're starting to um, get engaged, have babies. And I always felt separate from it. You know, like yep. it was kind of like, I didn't associate with that. My friends and I, my close circle, we kind of had a disconnect. We're like, oh, that could never be us. Like we're nowhere near that. And we're just yeah. like, wow. Like, and then when you look at our age, oh, we're 27. Oh, okay. Yeah. That is actually kind of a normal age to be settling down, but not us. Um, but then, yeah, my first, my first close friend settled down. She, um, tied the knot she's actually moving um but see your reaction is more telling of course you're happy and you're congratulatory congratulatory towards kim but you are in the best way much like me making it about yourself because you're like (laughs) 
<laughs> well, what am I supposed to do? You got married. Yeah. Do I have to get married? Do oh, I have God, to do yeah. this now? Do yeah. I also have to move? So, I mean. Yeah, it's like, yeah. wow, I'm so happy for you that you found <laughs> the love of your life. You mm-hmm. settled down. You're getting married. You know, the big wedding, I think, is going to be next year or something. Um, I hope no one's expecting that of me anytime soon. <laughs> like, well, so glad you figured that yeah. out. It's very that because I think we live our lives and we being you and I in this situation, because I know you well enough, judging, (laughs) not judging, but using people, mirroring people's experiences for your own. So Mm -hmm. me at 30, being a gay man, opening my Instagram account and following a lot of queer people who that isn't always the same for me. I'm always like, yes, you're living your life. You're doing what you got to do. I understand that. And that's not to say people my age who are gay are not getting married. That also exists at the same time. Yeah. But there seems to be this contractual obligation with the people you went to high school with who still live in that area of the high school, whatever that Mm -hmm. case is. And no shade, no tea. That's great for them. But you're like, oh, you all you're all getting married at the same time. Got it. You're oh, oh, you're all having kids at the same time. Didn't I just hold you up doing a keg stand like five years ago? like like that's you and we all grow and we all change that happens but I remember I mean two things here like my best friend again Felicia she is 31 now and she's a straight woman and her timeline trajectory is a lot different than the girls that she went to school with because she's still single she works so much so conversely for her to see that must also be like okay I'm Um, what am I doing that's wrong or am I empowered enough to say that's your life story and I am not succumbing to that kind of traditional timeline yeah to that that, pressure yeah and then I remember in the pandemic I would text like again Josh and I'd be like you're not allowed to like move and you're not allowed to like get married and you're not allowed not not allowed sorry no no he's not allowed you said no, it. he's not allowed. I'm no. also not allowed. But like you have those moments of like, don't move on without me, which I think is yeah. the, the struggle here. Yes. And and that's the thing. And as you get older, you know, we're constantly changing. We're constantly reevaluating. And yeah. it's kind of hard to accept the fact that our friends, our family, the people in our lives are also changing and they're also mm-hmm. reevaluating. And sometimes those changes and those paths no longer cross or they're starting to yeah. veer away from each other. Or, um, and it's kind of like you hold on for dear life. Like, no, what are you doing? You're ruining everything. Like this was not the plan. That's very, this, it's this, very, uh... yeah, this is not how it's supposed to go. Um, and then that's kind of just when you, have to sit down with yourself and you're just like, wait a minute. Okay. That is their life. Your life. Yeah. Yeah. That is, you know, how they're choosing to live it, how they're growing. And we just have to be happy for them and move on and continue growing ourselves and just hope that everything still works out in the end. And at the same time, you're still going to like send the Instagram post to your best friend and be like, can you believe this? You know, so you can do two things at once, which is like, 
it's hard, you know, because I we I said this again recently, but you think like we went out last night to a bar. It was a Sunday night. We went to go watch a local drag show and uh, I'm posting pictures and I'm like, are people looking at me being like, it's 11 o'clock on a Sunday. Can you go watch the Real Housewives of Potomac like everybody else? Like, can you go home? And we are all on our separate journeys, which is amazing because to quote Bernie Spears, I've just begun to have my fun. And I think the pandemic was hard for me because it puts such a lapse in that timeline yeah. for myself. Yes. Yeah. Especially with, as you said, um, coming out mid twenties, now you get to experience and live your full authentic self. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of heterosexuals, the straights, they started way earlier. <laughs> they started mm-hmm. way earlier. So by the time they hit 30, they're done. You know, they already had this, they've lived their authentic life. You know, maybe they want to settle down, maybe not. Um, but you know, in your timeline, you still got a good five years to go to catch I, up. Oh, <laughs> only, I only have five good summers left. That's yeah. yeah. So you really gotta, you gotta cram it in. You gotta get well, as much out of it as you can. But that's the thing, right? Where is it five to you? It might be five, but to me, I'm like, well, I don't see really much changing for myself for like 10 yeah. more years or it, whatever that looks like to even put a marker on it, I think right. is dangerous for my experience because I have never felt more comfortable in being queer than I have in the last two years, three years. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like five years from now? I still haven't gone to an all-inclusive resort with all my friends for a big dirty vacation. I still haven't gone to um, just very personal trips or very personal moments. I want to see my best friends get married. I cannot yeah. wait for that to happen. I think it'll be incredible. Um, but why I think my issue that I have to deal with and I, I have dealt with and, and continue to deal with is like undoing all those norms that are put in you from a young age. So, I mean, even recently, my mom was like, so do you think you and Sasha are going to get married? And I was like, yeah, but like, we're just coming out of a pandemic, barely. I want to have a fucking party. And also, I don't have the money to get married. And I want to do like a, that's, I want to do like a real wedding for myself. Like, again, what you do is great. But I, I'm also not ready to have that chapter yet. Like I, We've been together for four years. He's honestly sitting in the other room overhearing this. So that's also great. But we never even talk about it. That's the interesting part. Like we've both agreed that we would like to at some point, but we just got a new apartment that I have to recover from that for at least two to three years. (laughs) Yeah, that's enough. And and I mean, also um, every life event, big or small, Mm -hmm. is just an added stressor, no matter if it's a positive event or a negative event and so that takes time you know as these stressors build up um you get more and more um I don't want to say susceptible to anxiety and depression but your chances are higher of um, having these episodes uh adding these stressors to your life and so you know you're starting out in a new position at work um 
you know, there's the pandemic, you just moved. These are all life events that are Mm. adding to your overall stress. So even thinking about a wedding, oh my gosh, don't even think about it. Get it off your list. I mean, it's like maybe number 35 on my list. I think like going to Las Vegas is a lot higher than that right now. But you know, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, you mentioned the anxiety and depression thing. And I think for a lot of people, and I'm putting myself just saying my story, Mm -hmm. when I came out being, uh, holding in my sexuality for so long kept me awake at night genuinely like it was the only thing I thought about for at least two years before I came out like who's gonna sift me out what am I gonna say to people how are they gonna judge me I never thought I'd be like kicked out or disowned by my friends and family I know how much everybody loved me but it was always just very fearful Mm -hmm. in the terms of like doing it it wasn't the the reaction on the other end because like I literally told my dad in the car on the highway he was driving me to like josh's house for like a pre-drink my shorts were up my ass and i was like you know what i think he probably knows at this point so i was gonna be like i was gonna be like i literally said to him and i remember where we were on the highway i pass it very frequently and i was like i'm gay oh just blurted just like screamed it and he goes it's about time you told me and i was like all right we could work we could work on that response but that's fine and that was that. And then I told my mom literally like running through the house, passing by the living room. And I was like, I'm gay. Okay. Bye. And that was it. But I thought that was the biggest stressor in my life. And then in the last two, three years, you know, this because we've bonded over it. Bonded is a strong word, but like (laughs) my anxiousness has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with anything serious in my life. It only has to do with stuff I've made up in my mind. So whenever my therapist would be like, you know, let's go back to your childhood. I was like, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't know if we want to go back that far. <laughs> I am eight, 12 years removed from being a teenager at this point. Like mm-hmm. I'm okay. But those incredibly formative years that honestly feel like they happened last week, lay the groundwork for your mental state of Correct. how you deal with everything later in your life. Yeah, they do. Um, I think a lot of people, underestimate how important your childhood is when Mm -hmm. it comes to um, personality development, um, just overall emotional and mental uh, stability, um, how you can just like function in society. Oh my God. Literally starts immediately. Yeah. Like babies, I think people really, really underestimate how much babies are susceptible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They they know if you're fighting in front of them, if you're not giving them enough love and affection, um, if your mood is off, they know. Mm. And people just don't like they're not grasp either they're not paying attention they don't want to care because they don't want to believe that their behavior at the time of holding their six-month-old is going to stay with that baby well into their adolescence and young adulthood um but it's true we know i actually had to do a paper once um on eric erickson's stages Mm -hmm. of development and compare it to my childhood what my mom did right or wrong 
and how that affected me. And no offense to her, I kind of tore her a new one. Not even, <laughs> not even meaning to, but it's just like when you actually have to go back and analyze it, you're like, oh, this is why I'm like this. I'm this way. Exactly. Yeah. And she read the essay. Oh. And she was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's probably right. Like, I'm sorry. And I, I wasn't even doing it to apologize. I just no, always no, no. write. I always read my mom my papers. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, T. Yep. T. Uh, <laughs> sound, that tracks. That sounds about right. And I'm like, this is why I am the way I am. And you don't know in the moment. You're not paying no. attention to that. You're not thinking that what you're doing is going to have that great of an impact. Um, but yeah, so. They're also of a generation where their parents did did stuff. And I yes. mean that in a more like a mental sense that set them up to be the way that they are good or bad and then Mm -hmm. they do that to you but we I find are of a generation now where I mean I when we were moving in between moving I was staying at my parents house and I said to my mom in passing because it was I was having my Olivia Rodrigo era I was seven I was 15 again at my parents (laughs) house and I said and I meant this with no ill intent, literally just like a sarcastic joke. And I was like, you are the reason that I am the way that I am. And she goes, do ne- never say that I am. You are the way that you are because of me, which was conversely more insulting than what I Correct. Said. Yeah. You're yeah. like, wait, what's that supposed to mean? Uh, yeah. And I <laughs> was like, I love you, but like, you know, I'm incredibly anxious and I just, I'm, you know, just, you notice stuff the older you get and your parents don't realize the effect that they have on you, yes. but we are able to realize that and then undo the work that they do. Incredible parents. Of course we love oh them, my God. but yeah. they're of a different generation. And my mom will always tell the story. She'll be like, you know, cause I have mood swings here and there. And sometimes when I was younger, I would be at a dinner table and just be like, like I'm living my Ashley Simpson moment. I'm miserable. No one talked to me. And she'd be like, you know, everyone when you were a kid would say, hi, smiley, they're smiley, because I was always smiling. And then she's like, what happened? And I was like, uh, <laughs> life, life comes at you fast, Joanne. Okay. <laughs> life happened, actually, mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. My, um, my mom would talk about how many temper tantrums I would throw out in public. <laughs> like I would just throw myself on the ground and just scream and cry. And like people would be staring and my mom would be so embarrassed because she has this tantrum devil wildebeest of a child. And it was me. It was just me. Um, just trying to make myself heard. Um. So we, <laughs> You, you're too young to ever realize the way your emotions come out as. And I think, I mean, I've dealt with my aggressive side for a very long time when mm-hmm. I was closeted and my later teenage years, I was labeled a very angry person by the people in my life. And I literally had, again, I'll mention her one more time. My best friend say like, you have to change the way that you're, you are, or I don't know if I can be friends with you anymore. And wow. I was never like, I was never physical. I was just very angry and just, I would have it come out in my words and in my actions around people. And it it was an MSN conversation and I'll never forget it. (laughs) And I was like, holy shit. Okay. I'm going to try to be better at this. And I still have 
bursts bursts of being angry. But recently I read um, podcast host and actress Casey Wilson's book, and she talks about reveling in her anger a little bit because she says, you know, anger is often labeled the really bad mood trait. And it is if it's executed incorrectly. But I think there is a beauty to being angry that I don't think people appreciate sometimes. And it's never the loudness or the um, the bad things that are sometimes associated with anger, but it's the passion, I think, and the, um, the not standing up or rather, sorry, standing up for yourself in a situation. And the only way you can exhibit that is through anger. And I've learned to kind of appreciate that a bit more, but also hone in my tone of voice. I I hope I've tried at the very least. Probably say something different. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least being able to communicate what, is the root of the problem um, correctly? Because a lot of the times, you know, anger can come out mm-hmm. as, yeah, not very, great. not great, not great at all. And you're not communicating what is actually upsetting you. Yeah. And I mean, and it's so funny because it can be manifested in so many ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for example, both of my parents when they're angry, when they're upset, they go silent. Mm. They that, one, that one's tough. That's tough. I do yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah. They go silent. Um, growing up that for me, on the other hand of that manifested, I, I can never be ignored. Mm. If you try to ignore me, I will do anything in my power to make you <laughs> not ignore me anymore. As a kid, I would be up in my room screaming, mom, like screaming Mm. until she finally was like, what? Like, it's just like, you cannot ignore me. I will not allow it. As a child, I did not allow it. Now it manifests as I, I can be incredibly annoying if you want me to, if you want to ignore me, just wait until I show (laughs) you what I have up my sleeve, but I don't, I'm, I can't be ignored. Nor Not should this. you be ignored. I think <laughs> I, I'm not a very passive person, which is not great. I think, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately the Libra in me is very much always needing validation, which I'm working on with my therapist. Thank you very much. But I think, thanks therapist. Thanks Theri. I think there <laughs> is what I've really learned to get back to it. I think my first five years of my twenties were spent literally being someone else who I wasn't. And the last five years of my twenties were spent figuring out who I was going to be as who I am. And I think a lot of people, I'm very selfish. I really love myself and I'm not trying to sound conceited. I just think there is a beauty that people sometimes forget about themselves that I've come into in the last year and a half. And Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect. I'm fucking annoying. Literally, like, tell me to shut up. Like, this podcast is going to go long. <laughs> I have to pick every movie and TV show that me and Sasha and watch together. I have to control a lot of situations. Me. I'm very anxious. I'm very anxious <laughs> when people don't get along. And a lot of that manifests in myself. But I think what I've discovered in getting to know myself is like, no, you have all these great traits and some really not so great traits. But why not show that off? Like, yes. we are not to get like this, but like, we are only here for so long. Yes. And to sit in the shit is just not what you want to do. 
No. Will I be complaining about the same thing I'm complaining about today, three years from now? Absolutely. But of course. <laughs> no, and that's what I mean. It's trying, it's trying to find the little things that you like about yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I mean, you can't fix your self-esteem overnight. It takes no. time to learn to love yourself. It takes a lot of time and energy and effort. But once you do, you feel so much lighter. It's so freeing to be like, dude, I'm a great person. I it's, am fabulous. Yeah. I have an amazing personality. And to even think that I had thought <laughs> otherwise is astonishing. Which is crazy, though, because I think we're raised to always doubt yourself in a sense of like, never be your own cheerleader, never think you're cocky and never think you're never indulge in yourself. And I think there is a fine line in arrogance, which is one thing. And then just self-love, which I think and not to get like fucking so preachy on this, but like. The self-love is where I think I've really figured that out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's like, I don't know. I'm working on this too, where it's like, I think a lot of my um, traits that I was really honed in on in my late twenties, early twenties was like my wit and my work and Mm -hmm. everything I was very confident in because I grew up uh, bullied in high school and I was a little bit overweight and now conversely like I shaved my head and I've never felt more free and and this is probably going to sound gross too but like I think I kind of look great and I'm really happy with that (laughs) why would that be gross you do look great thank you but like it's it it, I it's even hard to say that because I'm already judging someone listening to this being like what a fucking asshole but like screw that why not why not look in the mirror and say wow like you know what I'm really happy with myself do I have days I look in the mirror and I'm like Jesus Christ what happened here (laughs) who the heck is that (laughs) yeah no I um completely agree and I think that that is something that is inherently your 20s is Mm -hmm. really finding out who you are yeah. And learning to accept who you are and loving who you are, because you're not going to get into high school. You no. are not going to you don't know who you are when you are 16. You don't know what you want, who you're going to be. And you probably, probably don't love yourself. And if you do love yourself at 16, I mean, kudos. kudos. I mean, you peaked, to be quite honest, if you loved yourself at 16 and you're a different person now and that's fine I think you said all that and it's very true but I was like no at 16 I am who I am now but I'm confident but now who about who I am when I was 16 I was not because at 16 I was being bullied at school for looking mm-hmm. like Frodo from Lord of the Rings which I changed because I don't have any hair anymore so like kudos to me for finally taking a hold of that narrative thank yeah, you so yeah. much And I finally watched the movies last year and I was able to really just rip that bandaid right off. Really get the reference. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, all those really bad jokes make sense now. Mm -hmm. And also being bullied for like being sniffed out as being gay before I, well, before I even came out and I would tiptoe the line of like having friends, but also going to school fearful of like the bullies just to be lazy with the term. And then my Friday nights were 
blockbuster pizza hut basement for movies tv shows powering through dvds and i remember felicia would have to like tooth and nail like get me to go to a party and i had fun god bless her for taking me but moments would happen where i'd see someone for school and they'd be like hey frodo and i'd be like i have to go home yeah i need to I go to my basement this environment yeah no but like you it's hard because I don't know. You know, just teenage years. It's just, it's tough stuff. (laughs) It is tough stuff. And I mean, I hate to be that like broken record. It's so cliche, but if you're a teenager and you're listening to this, it gets better. (laughs) Isn't that like on a commercial? Like it gets better. It really, really, really does. You have to want it to get better. Yeah. I think, you know what? Everyone's I always preface when I tell people I was bullied as like, it wasn't that bad. Like I, I survived it. It was, it was very nuanced in its yeah. bullying. It was a movie reference. Like it was okay, but it was in combination with also, like I said, being sniffed out. And I think in the moment, it's always like, holy fucking shit. Like I literally remember, this is so stupid, putting a spell on the bullies at school because I was watching Charmed and I am not into witchcraft at all. But like, I was like, okay, let me like write a spell. But I was at that point where it was like, so silly to even say that out loud. But like, I was so. No, just... I'm living for this moment. <laughs> like, this is well, brand new information. Yeah. And I never want to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never forgotten it. So there you go. But you want to control your own narrative so much. And I think, you know, you go to school and. There's tears to popularity, unfortunately, that mean girl scene of like where everybody sits at the table, unfortunately, for the most part is vaguely true. But like when it's always hard because people always say, you know what, I would never want to go back to my 20s. And I don't know if I would want to go back to my 20s because who I am now, I love and I'm very happy with my life and I'm level headed for the most part and like content and really discovered myself but if I could go back to my 20s I would just like fucking do it again because like I miss out on so much and I could really like live it up and I'm making up for lost time now which is fine but like my bones are getting a bit more brittle so like it's harder you know on my on my back (laughs) yeah it's a bit more difficult to drop it low with your (laughs) new arthritis since you're 30 you know that also (laughs) happened to me in the pandemic so like so much happened yeah (laughs) oh my gosh okay Jordan listen you have told us so much about your 20s and growing to love yourself and we are so thankful for it I do have one last question for you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it is knowing what you know now if you could go back and tell your younger newly 20 year old self what would you tell them Oh my God. I would, I would say cut your hair. That's number one. Rip that bandaid off immediately. The longer you spend fretting about coming out, the less you get to live your life. And honest to God, nobody cares in certain situations. Everybody has different coming out stories, but your friends and family hopefully will love you. And it's not as bad as you make it out to be in your head for me. And I would say like, go to that party have that cigarette, I guess, go to Vegas, plan the trips, do what you got to do. Don't be so scared. Don't be so scared. I think is what I would say to myself. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. You have been probably my number one fan (laughs) 
since I've met you. Um, My biggest cheerleader asking me to come on your podcast more than once. Um, (laughs) And yeah, go listen to Jordan's podcast. Um, If you love pop culture and TV, reality TV, movies, Jordan and his BFF, Josh, have a podcast called Loves It. Mm -hmm. I have been on it. I listen to it every week. Well, when it drops. Um, and yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This was a blast. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Okay. Goodbye. Bye.